Hey there, this is Kevin Scott. I'm the writer of Dooku Jedi Lost, and you're listening to the Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. This is where the fun begins. A Utini Podcast Network production. I've made a lot of special modifications myself. Episode 218, Star Wars The High Republic Path of Vengeance Roundtable. Thank the maker. On this episode, new shows for Utini Patreons. Good call, my young Padawan. Get ready for a new Star Wars book. All right, man, load your weapon. And the Utini crew talks about the new High Republic book, Path of Vengeance by Kevin Scott. You Jedi are far too right. And now, here are your hosts. Looking for someone you have, I would say. <laughs> Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, Wes Jenkins, and guest host Timothy Guthrie. Utini. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Living Force of Utini Network podcast. Tonight, all about the path of vengeance. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight to talk all things about the final entry, bookwise. In Phase 2 of the High Republic is a full cast of characters, starting off with the man who is sweating like one of those kids in the caves before it explodes. It's Mr. Heat in 7, Dr. Charles Angle. Yeah, What's up, buddy? Right. I actually am sweating. Uh, this room is a lot warmer at this time of day. If you guys don't know, we're recording early. Uh, that's because the NBA playoffs are tonight, and I have a team to go support and Hopefully not watch lose, but uh, that's how it's been going recently. So yeah, heat and seven, heat and seven, heat and seven. Absolutely, keeping those good vibes going. Other man with the goodest vibes and the goodest fingers on the goodest keys. It's the goodest West Jenkins. Hey, gooder, gooder, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm cheering on Charles. I won't change these lights to red. That was a mistake. I apologize profusely, um, but. Uh, I am waiting for tomorrow for the Stanley Cup playoffs to mm-hmm. see if the LA Knights will take that home. I didn't get to watch last uh, last game, which was a day ago, two days ago, when they got into an all-out brawl at the very end of the of the of the third period. It was fantastic. Lots of punches were thrown, rats and bottles and stuff thrown on the ice. <laughs> rats. Um, so. Yeah, they have plastic rats they throw on the ice at the Panthers games. They're weird. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm from Michigan, and we used to throw live octopi onto the side of the Yeah, it's yeah, so even so. better. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, but the man who's not going to be throwing octopi or dead or plastic rats, I suppose, is the final member of our crew. Uh, the guy who just, you know, he grounds us. He keeps us going. And I was supposed to see this weekend, but life got in the way. It's Mr. Timothy Guthrie. What's up, buddy? What's up, guys? Um, sports ball. I don't really. I'm not really doing that right now. Um, I'm also not making my colors heat. That's also probably my bad. So sorry, Charles. I support yeah. you in spirit. Um, otherwise, I don't really care because I've been reading Charles Soule's new book, The Endless Vessel, and it is freaking gorgeous. You guys. I have only read one chapter, and I've already highlighted three things. So uh, wow. it's good. It's a good time to be to be us. Oh yeah. Ugh. My my package from that Kickstarter. So folks are watching the video. Tim has the Kickstarter exclusive edition, which I also ordered and has been accepted shipment pending whatever for four days now. Post office, but happy for you and happy for everyone that is watching and or listening. I hope you're having a great week. Um, so 
Today is going to be all round table. We're going right in. So just so you know, over this weekend, you may have heard of a little indie project called Star Wars Outlaws, which is a brand new Star Wars video game that got announced. We got 10 minutes of gameplay today. It was amazing, and we're not going to talk about it because what we're going to do is we're going to save that for next week's show. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Outlaws. We're also going to have our big Star Wars Jedi Survivor talk. Uh, we're going to talk about the story of the game, how we thought about the game, talk about Outlaws and Star Wars gaming as a whole. So stay tuned for next week for that. We're going to make sure that has all the time we need because today, all we're going to do before we get into the roundup is, of course, a quick thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash utini. We have an amazing team over there. Uh, Tim, our Patreon manager, anything that folks can be looking forward to coming down the pipe since you're on the show? Yeah, um, pretty quick. I'll just say we have a couple of new and former shows that may be coming back in the next oh month or two. So uh, buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. Excellent. And make sure you got your That's Patreon it. RSS feed um, connected to whatever podcatcher you use. Uh, but head over to patreon.com slash to join because, yeah, there's some cool stuff coming this very month. But next very month... That's not, a, that's not a phrase people use, but we could. Next very month, you have a new Star Wars book coming out, which is Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. That's coming out on July 18th. Uh, I've started reading it myself. I'm, I think I'm about 100 pages in or so. Uh, so make sure you get those pre-orders in. I think Delilah S. Dawson posted that the like finished, published copies are at her house at least now. So uh, get excited. We got some evil books coming our way. But tonight, we do not have... Actually, no, we do have an evil book. What am I saying? That's exactly what we have. We have Pat the Vengeance by Kevin Scott. Uh, this is where we get the full spoiler warning, everybody. From here on out, we're going to be spoiling what happens in the Path of Vengeance by Kevin Scott. We're going to be spoiling what happens in Phase 2 of the High Republic. And if you just jumped in in Phase 2, we're going to be spoiling Phase 1, I guess, as well. All High Republic talk uh, from here on out. So stay tuned. And unlike our previous roundtables, we're trying something a little bit different. Um, because full transparency, when we read a lot of these Star Wars books, sometimes when we read them, it starts to feel a little more like work and can zap some of the enjoyment out of reading. Some of you that do that try to keep up on everything may feel this from time to time, so we're right there with you. So tonight, as opposed to our full synopsis, point by point, bit by bit, a little more kind of rigid storytelling, we're just going to be four best friends sitting around chatting about a book. So join us, take a seat. Crack your drink, and uh, fellas, let's talk about the Path of Vengeance. Um, very briefly, this is the book that rounded out Phase Two. Um, it took place over three parts of the Battle of Jeddah, the Battle of Dolna, and the Battle for the Path, respectively. Is how Kevin kind of split up his book. Um, this brought us all the way through Marta Rowe, essentially taking her place at the head of the Path of the Open Hand, which is now the Path of the Closed Fist. And pre presumably got us ready for phase three. Um, so I'm going to start very, very basically. Charles, I'm going to throw to you first, dude. What'd you think? Just purely, let's, let's do purely as a book. We'll talk about how okay. it fits into phase two and, and, and the phases as a whole. Purely as a reading experience, what did Path of Vengeance do for you? Okay, so I think that the book was actually written quite well. I mean, I, I love pretty much everything Kevin Scott has done previously. So I would say it's the same for this story as well. I mean, written very well. I thought the pacing was good. The only hiccups I think for me with, with the actual pacing is knowing a lot of what's coming, right? You're, you're kind of like, Hey, get to it. Cause I already know how these events turn out. 
it was more like almost we were getting a, a peek behind the curtain from the past couple of books we read. And so it, it did feel a little repetitive in that way. Um, and I do think that that took away from my enjoyment to a certain degree. And I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of go into detail on that. But overall, I think the actual book is written very well. I just think that the way that it was set up and the job that it had to do was uh, a little less satisfying for me than getting an original story cover to cover. Excellent. I agree with a lot of what you said, and I'm jumping there in a bit. Uh, but Tim, I want to go next to you, man. Um, obviously, it's been a while since because you read this around the time that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you remember of, the, of this reading experience, and how did it hit you? Yeah, uh, this was the most, I think, consistent book um, that I, I, I don't know. It had me on the hook, I think. Um, the most consistent of phase two, in my opinion, for sure. But I was very interested in this story, most of all. Um, I wanted to see what happened with Marta. I wanted to see, um, you know, what happened with that whole gang. I feel like this was the story that I was missing from the rest. Um, and yeah, I think Cav, Cav killed it. He did a good job. He killed a bunch of people, which is as per course. <laughs> <As> he does. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I was on the hook for it. I finished it pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, I'm, it, it kind of left me sad that it ended here in a way, like, uh, just mm-hmm. as I was starting to really drive with some of the characters. Um, so it feels a little empty, but I think he did a good job with what it was. All right. Wes, where are you on this one? Yeah. So, um, I am almost opposite of what Charles said. So, um, I enjoyed that they kind of rehashed some of this because I forgot a lot about what happened in phase two from the from nice. various like yeah. time jumps that we were having when the books were coming out. Right. So, um, I did order the book, um, to read and it sat on my, uh, nightstand for three weeks until the audiobook came out and i listened to the audiobook so um that's how i i took it in and uh, listened to it on the way to work and then um a little bit when i was cooking doing dishes uh cooking doing dishes crew what's up yes um but yeah i think it was from what i was listening to i think it was very well written um i thought that we lost maybe a little bit of story that we were kind of searching for with Marta Rowe and how she ascended and then stayed in that spot. Maybe we mm-hmm. get a more story after this somehow. Um, or there's some kind of flashback um, in phase three that tells us about something, but there's a couple, there's a couple key points and Easter eggs and um, highlights in there that from uh, phase one, that's in phase two. You're like, Oh, well that's where that comes from to kind of thing. But um, there was really no connection that I've kind of, picked out between Martyro and Markion Row, mm-hmm. um, other than the name, um, that I was searching for the entirety of the book. Yeah. Um, so, but like Charles said, very well written. It, it was, it was very well written. So, um, I, and there were some of the sound effects in the audiobook. I mean, 10 out of 10 audio drama, like esque. Wow. It was very, very well done. Very, very well done. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cause that's one of the things, obviously this, audiobook was delayed for a month uh so a lot of folks may not have finished it yet and the ya audiobooks are because this is technically ya are are kind of hit and miss sometimes so it's great to hear uh i'm glad that they put some production in it um i i thought a lot about this book since i read it in a bunch of different ways and my main thing about this book is that this is the most meta i've ever read a book as in, it's the most 
I've ever thought about the outside repercussions of a story while reading, and not in a good way, I think I'm going to say. Because um, I, I agree that as a book, as a novel written by Kevin Scott with characters, action, and plot, this is incredible. It's a phenomenal book. It's probably, it's at least, I'd say, top two in the phase, if not better than Cataclysm. This and Cataclysm, I put, just on a craft standpoint, I think it's right there. I agree it's the best. For me, it is the yeah. best. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, this is an incredibly made book. But as I was reading it, I could not physically let go of wondering what is this going to tell me about phase one? What is this going to tell me about the other ones? Oh, no. I already Same thing as you, Charles. I had a huge issue at the top of the book, and I put this in our review on the site. I had a really big issue with the fact that we had so many parts of the Battle of Jeddah which I had been reading since January, which Kevin had been reading in a comic already, and I'd heard in an audio drama already, and I'm like, I, I don't care about Jetta anymore. And I now, if I hadn't read any of that as a book, he wrote it very well. The characters were done very well, but I knew all of that. And then we got to the Night of Sorrows on Dalna, and I'm like, I just read all of that in Cataclysm. And any time that I pulled myself out among the narrative and just missed what Kevin was doing. I didn't have as good of a time, and I wasn't really trying to read the book again. But if I just read the book and kind of gave over to the story, I couldn't escape the craft of it. It's very much the Rising Storm-esque book of um, this phase. There's a lot of destruction in it. There's a lot of like hard, like darker moments. And some of the scenes, like Stephanie says in the chat, the scene where like, Marta takes control of the path and has this giant speech about the, the path of the closed fist. I wrote that in my notes as possibly a Utini moment of like moment of the year. Like I'm like that is really well done and some of the conversations were super eloquent and, and done the way only Kevin can do but it really made me think would I be a happier reader happier Star Wars reader if I actually didn't read everything and I just gone from like path of deceit to path of vengeance. Mm-hmm. Which is odd because that is what we have been told not to do in the higher public. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so um, that was it, odd for me. I felt like there was a great connection. One thing that Phase 2 did really well, I think, was that the two middle grades books played directly into each other. Yep. The two YA yep. novels directly into each other. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with the adult books. It's like this is this – if you were interested in the galactic, you know, large-scale kind of stuff, read the adult books. If you yep. want this very intense story about the path, like – Read the young adult books, and you don't yep. have to read everything else. But there, there were times it fit. It felt a bit like. Um, did you ever watch Vantage Point, that 2008 movie with Dennis Quaid, where it's like you see the same thing happen over and over and over and over and over again from different perspectives? This is like a from a certain point of view phase two. It was it was wow. kind of exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it, and and I think that you know wh- whatever your reading journey is, everyone watching or listening. I'm fascinated to know how this hit you because it also made me think, is there a better way to do this? Because we, we've been pretty blunt about uh, Lucasfilm and uh, Penguin Random House World's uh, <laughs> uh, issues with publicity about the higher public and transparency about how, where stuff takes place, what's coming out, stuff like that. So we've kind of just said read everything. After reading this book – Going into phase three, has your guys' opinion on that changed? Or do you still think that reading everything is still probably the best way to get the whole story? Because I'm, I'm kind of in the middle right now. 
I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him do this before. So if this is uh, going to be a consistent thing, then I might think about like skipping and then. But I, how are you? How are you going to know though? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah. So when you listen to our show, out, yeah, like, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, we're not going to be able to skip. We'll read it for you, yeah. and then we'll, we'll let, let you know. know. <laughs> but I hope they don't. This this doesn't turn into a consistent thing where they kind of rehash everything in the last book, and I don't think they will. Um, but yeah. I think you know, reading everything and then being able to pick out those details and be like, oh, that's that's really what it's what I think is what it's all like, what it's all about. What you get the most joy out of is. Yeah. Is like finding those specific details in all these little books, and, or in all the books, and then you read the last book, and it just kind of falls into place, and it makes it that much better that you read all of those books, and you didn't just read it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think an interesting thing about this, I mean, I would like to know who in our audience has not read the book and is listening to this. Like, I, I would like to know how many people actually have experienced the High Republic yeah. that way, because I do think it's it's very possible to do it. Tim, you were talking about watching people playing video games on YouTube. I mean, it's the same thing. You're just getting the story, you know, a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know though. This phase to me, it felt like two kind of separate stories and I guess it was supposed to, to a degree, but the Marta and, and just the row stuff and the path stuff in general felt like one story. And then all the like Ziri fan two stuff, I mean, feels just like, light years away from all of that, even though there is ultimately yeah. some crossover, I, at the end of the book, and I'm sure we're going to talk about our feelings when we kind of finally set the book down, but I, I had to look back and ask myself, why did we go through those two storylines? Cause they are very separate in such excruciating detail, sending entire, spending entire books going into these, you know, mm-hmm. these occasions and all of these things that happened. And then at the end of the, at the end of the phase, you have to look back, back and ask yourself was, was all of that necessary? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let's jump, let's hit that. I think let, let's, let's follow this where it goes because I want to ask you guys number one about what's necessary, right? This whole Marta story, because this is very Marta row centric. This is Marta, Maddie and Yana are like the trio of people that really kind of run this book. And we haven't really seen Marta since Path of Deceit. Like we had heard slightly about it, but we haven't seen her in a hot minute. And she is apparently like she's a row. Is she starting the Nile? Like it's kind of a big deal to kind of leave, leave her alone. Like you said, Charles, in that Ziri fan two plot, which completely separated itself for the most part. What did you guys think about her journey in this book from kind of becoming slightly disillusioned with the mother to by the end literally demanding the level or attack the mother and then taking over and saying we are now a closed fist and drawing the lightning on her on her face like was she still likable relatable did you enjoy did you purely enjoy it Ooh, charles you're giving me a no not me a not no. likable whatsoever um enjoyable yes because she was unhinged and we we're seeing kind of I think the genetic, you know, predecessor to some of the craziness we see in Marky and Roe in phase one. I mean, that came from somewhere, you know what I mean? And it seems like a lot of it came from Marta. Um, But I didn't actually find her transformation in this book all that believable. And I think part of it is because we did spend so long away from her and then we came back and she's doing just outlandish stuff where she cuts off her cousin's hand like 
it out of yeah. nowhere and then two wild. minutes later it's like apologizing to her and they're like oh it's yeah. fine and i was sitting that, there like no, it's, on me. Didn't really it's on me if you <laughs> cut my hand off i am not like walking around the compound with you later like scheming how to whatever like absolutely not so like it yeah. felt it felt like those story beats were good story beats to me like if I if I read like an outline per se and I saw like then this is going to happen then eventually this this and this I would see a natural progression and I'd be like hey I like that that makes sense um, we're going to see her go to a really dark place and then swing back a little bit but it just happened over too short of a time period for me personally for it to feel believable um, and I, that is probably a consequence of again spending so much time away from her in this phase and and that begs the question like why was it so important to spend so much time away from her obviously the rose and the path are i thought this phase at least that was the main goal right was established their history and we were going to get a bunch of information that was important for phase three and then here we are at the end and we spent so much time doing other things that has to be important to some degree Uh, we just can't really see how those puzzle pieces all fit in so so yes, enjoyable because she's crazy, right? Uh, but <laughs> yes. not all that believable to me. Interesting, interesting, and and, and I and I want to just touch like it'll be interesting in phase three to see what the other stuff does because obviously the Marta and Yana is a one to one with Markion, and we know that Starlight Beacon landed on Iram, so there is that. But like, if we're gonna see Ziri Fon 2's, like wedding area or something like i wonder i wonder how that'll fit in but um but what's what's tim what do you guys think about marta in there similarly kind of enjoyable but a little far-fetched yeah um i wish we could have had a little bit more kind of character build up to where she was going to progress towards that path of the closed fist or whatever Mm -hmm. um but it, it feels like they did i it looks like to me that they did that so quickly because it looks like there's going to be some exponential moves between where Marta is now to where Markion ends mm-hmm. or starts with the Nile, right? Because mm-hmm. they're still... I'll just back up here a minute. So what was... We wanted to know what was the Nile. How did it even start? Right. And it starts as like a cultish group of just like followers that say, you know what? The Force should not be screwed with mm-hmm. like the jedi do yep. that manipulate it and do stuff like that so, that so there's a ripple effect that ruins everything else whenever you manipulate the force um but we didn't get a lot of like build up after that after they moved on from the open hand to the closed fist and then so it looks like there's going to be an exponential step to where we get it in phase two or when we get to phase two if you haven't read phase two um where you're not where it's just like a gang pretty much where they're doing a bunch of drugs mm-hmm. and eating pizza hut or something. But, um, <laughs> like there's, there's not a, I feel like it's going to be a, a steep climb and not just like a slow progression up a hill or something. Right. So I think it's mm-hmm. maybe why they did it that way because there's no, it didn't give us enough time. Right. If there was like, mm-hmm. if we had started out with the open hand and then like in the, maybe in the middle like the second book was you got the closed fist and then now we get she's like 
I don't know. She goes to a, a bar and she starts sniffing drugs, and she's like, "Man, I kind of like this." And then she's like, "Hey, you want to try some of this too?" And they're like, "Yeah, let me get into it." And then so like, "Oh, you got I got this like merry band of followers that's addicted to drugs, and now we figured out that we have to support our drug habit by stealing more Jedi artifacts that turn into something else." I don't yeah. know. It but, feels like I'm riding <laughs> like a storm. Ooh, let's do that. Right at time. Yeah, but there wasn't. There wasn't a slow progression towards. I wish they would have. That way, would have kind of it would have yeah. made it more believable for Phase One on where the Nile are now. But yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how they're gonna marry those these two stories together. Yeah. Well, and Steph- Stephanie makes a good point in the chat. Says, you know, 150 years passed between Phase Two and One, and I agree, and I think that's cool. It, this then begs the question, which I, we're gonna hit real hard. I think probably to the end of our conversation of. Why did this happen? Why did we pick yeah, 150 yeah. years ago as opposed to 50 years like the That's prequels? True. Anyway, that that is a huge question, and I think it's a very good point. Uh, but Tim, I want to hear your your Marta thoughts before we hit. Those. Yeah, overall, I think I I I enjoyed her arc a little bit. I think it was rushed at the end a bit, but I okay. did really enjoy the fact that Cav did not have her and Yana riding off in the sunset together. Um, nope. I like that they ended up going their own paths. Um, and I, I, I was kind of worried that we were going to end with, oh, everything's okay. You cut off my arm, but like, that's fine. Um, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I very much appreciate appreciate the fact that they went their, their different ways. I also liked the device, um, I guess that's what you would call it, of them, uh, both her and Yana, seeing and having conversations with their you know, with Kevmo and with uh, Yana's ex-girlfriend, like that was so eerie throughout. Why weren't they italicized um, on the page? Yes. Why weren't Dude, the ghosts yes. died? Oh my God. Can we yes. talk about this? Can we talk about this? It was such a choice to not do that. I could not tell if, if it was real. Like, what I think it? that's Please. the point, right? They no, weren't. No, no, it's, that's no I, they weren't. I, I can, I can work <laughs> my way around there. Issue. Yeah. 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 Um, Italicized I mean, ghost voices. Because I guarantee you, Wes, on the audiobook, were they like, Kevmo they had did a it. whispery voice? Yes! Yeah, they <laughs> they have did a, a really voice. good job they, of <laughs> depicting out that these were like voices yeah. or ghosts in their head. You like, got to italicize. Yeah, if you didn't have any, if it just had like a, just quotations to it, yeah, that would have screwed me up. I actually I like, like that kind choice. of creativity. Yeah, I weirdly it, like it. it. Okay, so it, Charlie it worked. likes the choice. I think it, it worked me. whenever whenever they would respond out loud to yeah. um, you know to whatever the ghost was saying, and then the, the person next to them would be like, "What did you say?" or yeah. "What are you talking about?" Like, okay, kind of there, yeah. but the whole rest of the book, no, 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 please, please italicize. But also, also here, here's what I say about that too: if 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 an idea is is meant to confuse or throw somebody off, right? That means the protagonist is being thrown off because as reader, we are reading through the eyes of the protagonist. They're not confused about whether they're here or not. They know they are dead right. and are ghosts. So the protagonist knows that this is Kevmo speaking. I am I as reader am confused where the character is not, so that bridge breaks. So I lose the immersion. Ronin, if the character's confused and I'm confused, that's fine. Yeah. Ronin mm-hmm. italicized, right? Ronin and, yes. and, Ronin and italicized. Maybe, maybe, Ronin's a maybe whole other beast. Bolded. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Ronan wrote backwards, right yeah. to left. Like there's <laughs> like words written along the edges of the pages. If you like hold it at a certain angle, Ronan was weird as hell. It's, it's, it's technically a cipher if you read it in a certain <laughs> order. No, but yeah. to get to get back to your point though, Tim, um, I agree with you that I did really like that choice in the story, like to have them talking to these 
dead people that were important to them. Because what's kind of interesting is that they're, they were very young when they made it to the path, right? And they constantly talk mm-hmm. about how their species, the Evereni, are like feared and hated kind of throughout the universe or throughout the galaxy. And you never really fully understand why. There are little tidbits that they've kind of been told about themselves. But they were so young, they probably don't know all that much about their own people. And at the beginning of this story, I think it was maybe Yana at the time, maybe it was Martin, I don't remember, uh, was saying that there's a uh, rumor that Evereni can speak to the dead, right? And they dismissed it. They dismissed Mm -hmm. it as that's nonsense. And then like, I don't know, five pages later, they think they might be speaking to the dead. So like Mm -hmm. playing off of that, like, hey, where you start questioning yourself and what you are, you know what I mean? And you say, hey, am I this evil thing? Because now all these things that I thought were fake, I'm experiencing. Um, I thought that was really interesting and made a lot of sense to kind of spur some of the character changes that were happening. Yeah. I want want to add as far as the Marta idea, just just to round out that bit, I know this is going to be highly divisive amongst probably our listeners and the High Republic fans. Who are who we love and who, as we saw at Star Wars Celebration, are extremely passionate about this whole phase. I wish this would have just been a numbered trilogy of Marta's story, like literally spines on the books, book one, two, three. I if if Ziri and Fon two are gonna be in here, cool. They gotta be in like Game of Thrones. It make it here's a Ziri Fon two chapter, here's a Marta yeah. chapter, but give me book, book, book. I think that bouncing between them made the overall narrative not as important because I, I similarly to you guys I had forgotten enough about Marta that when we got her I found it a little off-putting that she had changed so much that being said folks that went from, from Deceit to Vengeance who I saw online loved it because there is a nice through line if you had that in your mind but I think that if it had just been this actual story as a trilogy or what have you I would have followed it a bit better and liked it more because I wouldn't have been trying to think on how it fits into all the other narratives. Marta is a character I still find fascinating. I think she's really interesting. Um, if you just put her on paper from beginning to end, like you guys were saying as a narrative, I think it makes sense. You know, go from the quiet cult person to the, like, angry cult leader. We, we've seen that in history. Like, that's a thing. That's very real. Uh, I don't mind that at all. It's just all the stuff that got put in there, like the additional comics characters too, like... Vildar and, and Maddie and Tay, which I know are the trio from the comic, which I still don't quite understand. But I know Cav mm-hmm. loves, and he brings his characters in, kind of like DJO did with Midnight Horizon, which I liked better. So who knows? I'm probably slightly hypocritical about that. But I felt like there were a lot of things trying to get in the way of this great narrative, despite the fact that it was all super well-written. Like we said with Cav, it mm-hmm. did kind of muddy those waters for me all the while I'm trying to think of how is Mark Rowe going to deal with these ancestors. Um, but them aside, you know, the other part of it, of course, was Maddie, who, no, correct me if I'm wrong, Timothy, I think you've you've read the, the comic. Yeah. But wasn't yeah, Charles, yeah. you guys had never met Maddie before this book, right? You haven't read the, the comic. Mm-mm. Right. Okay. Right. So for you guys first, what was she, did, did you get her? Did you understand her? kind of character in this book if she had just been first introduced here or did you feel like there was required reading for this new protagonist i did not see her as something 
great or bad, right? So I mean, she's, she's, she's I, I saw her as a normal Jedi. Yeah, yeah. as a yeah. normal Jedi or Padawan. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't seem like she had a interesting backstory that I need to go back and check yeah. out. Uh, if they would have laid out some kind of you know information about that, I might have, but they didn't. I didn't feel like I needed to to know anything else about her. Yeah, I agree. I felt about her the way that I feel about a lot of the like legends books that are about you know an evil character or whatever but then you also need that jedi counterbalance in the interim (laughs) chapters Mm. and you don't really care about them and they're not all that important sometimes they just die at the end and you're like all right i'm gonna go about my business um (laughs) that's that's kind of how i felt about her yeah i mean she wasn't particularly interesting and i didn't feel like i had missed much prior to this book that i i needed to know yeah, she was like a vessel for the story mm-hmm. and what they needed in that way. Like, and, th- and we had a lot of those characters in Cataclysm too. Like, a lot of the Jedi in Phase Two were similarly like for plot and they moved stuff along. But I think I agree, I had a tougher time isolating them. I now, might say all I, of them, dude. I know we're gonna get around to Phase yeah. Two later, but like, oh yeah, we're we're, we're gonna hit it. In a second. I would maybe say all of them. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one to to disagree, and I'm having trouble. While I think, uh, Tim, mother, and <laughs> mommy, mommy, sorry, uh, <laughs> Timothy, what did you think about uh, about Maddie coming in comics? Like, was she did she have her moment here, or similarly, was she just kind of this was the Jedi because there are two non Jedi people that we also have to keep track of? Yeah, I need to go back and reread the comics, but I think I liked her here more. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe um, I agree. some of that. Some of that is because um, I think her ADHD ness was really able to come through, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I relate. Um, so You're like, I see she, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she she's chaotic and always in her head and always talks too much, and so like her characterization was able to come through just fine. Um, but yeah, uh, I think to Charles's point, she, she very much feels like I you know I needed a good guy on the page um, in a in a bad story and. You know something to relate to. I liked her characterization with uh, who was the master that she was with. I just lost that name. Vildar. Uh, maybe no. That's in the comics. No, no, no. that's in the this comics. One. Oh, um, you're talking about Zevron, the y- yes, yes, the mother's yeah. Oh, Olivia, sister, daughter, yeah. Yeah, Olivia, Olivia, right? Yeah, Olivia. Their, yeah. their relationship Maddie was and okay. Marda and Olivia. Yeah, <laughs> Put an H on it. That's Olivia. But you, you just made the point, Tim. You can't even remember her name. You can't remember the names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is funny because at the end, I loved her particular ending and all how all that went down. Yeah. But we'll get there. Anyways. Well, and, and uh, there, were, there were two Go main ahead. characters with an O. They were both women. There was Olivia and there was uh, the Herald's wife's name. Doesn't it start with an O? Uh, Ophelia or something oh, like that. Uh, yes, something Opara like that. Or something. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, was, I almost got that mixed up a little bit because they were kind of looking for each other in this. Yeah. In, I need a dramatis persona. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. do. Are you kidding? When they went to Planet X, all those like three different ships of people. Not a chance in hell. Not a oh, single that, yeah. one. Um, I was not skipping a, back thirty seconds like mm-mm. three or four times. I was like, yeah. I don't no, get it. I don't get it. There's three different ships of three different crews. Not not a chance. <laughs> I didn't get a single. I even wrote in my notes. I'm like, listen, this is fun action. I love the King Kong vs Godzilla ness of that scene. Not a single person. Um, I would have loved so, more concept art as well. Just throwing that out there. Yes, that was, that, that was fun. Two. That was yeah. very fun. Uh, now I want to. I, I really want us to to talk about Phase Two as a whole because I think that's a, such a meaty conversation. But I want to touch on Olivia for a second because Olivia Zevron was a huge character in this book. I thought she was written very well, very classic Jedi. Very, you know, I'm a. I think it was Jedi Knight, 
did her job and obviously finding out that the mother is her sister was like this big reveal unless you're keyed into Star Wars Twitter or any social media because they revealed the mother's name last name was Zevron six months ago in Wikipedia. Yeah. And, and really? There was a YouTube video where they do, you know, the um, the High Republic is an age of heroes and Avar Chris, like it's one of those shorts, which were fun. They did the mother and gave her last name in yeah. that short Wait, no, show of hands eight months ago. Show of hands, who knew that before going into this book? Because I definitely did. Yeah. Absolutely did. Okay, so but only Wes I didn't d- know. I do I appreciate happily that- surprised. <laughs> they subverted my expectations though, because I was expecting her to be I was expecting it to be a mom and daughter relationship. Me too. Because her name's I, the I, mother? I, That's I, a little on the nose, too. It is. It is. <laughs> They've but, done it before. But Vader? They sorry. tricked Vader Vader means too. father in German. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm glad they went the sister route, but yeah, yeah. anyways. I, I like that route, but but I also, as I was reading, I'm like, okay, they're like, and she felt something like they're related. She couldn't really figure out what's going on. It's because they're related. I don't know. <laughs> and it's like 450 pages, and then she's like, wait, it's you. I'm like, this is not a reveal. But the book was written as though it was a reveal, and I'm like, this was a massive publicity gaffe, I think, because Kevin wrote this book with the assumption that no one would know anything about the mother, yet the Star Wars YouTube channel and Wikipedia and everything had that moment six months before release. Well, hang on. Can I I push back on that a little bit, too? I I agree it it was probably a misstep, but let's... Pretend, and actually I'd like to hear Wes's input on this since he went into this particular reveal blind. Let's, the rest of us have a thought experiment here. You didn't know. Okay, you get the reveal. It's a cool right. moment. You get the reveal. What's the point? What's, what's the fallout there? What's the next step that comes from that just to know that the mother was related to a Jedi? Um, I... Well, I <laughs> I listened to this today, so yes, it's. Fresh. I recently finished the book today. It's very fresh. So when I heard this, the reasoning was because um, the Jedi came to was it Olivia? Olivia, Olivia, and oh, the mother Olivia. Alicia, uh, Eli- Alicia, Alicia. 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 <laughs> so that Olivia was and Alicia, the Star Wars characters, <laughs> <laughs> and they took Olivia. Instead of Alicia, yep. based mm-hmm. on her force powers, because she was able to manipulate the force and move things around, yep. they were like, you know what? We want her. Yep. And the mother took, like, had such resentment for that, she became, even though she was force sensitive, she had made this diabolical plan since a child to completely, like, have this scheme to rule the world and take out the Jedi. Yep. And manipulate people through the force and say that she wasn't force sensitive, all because she wasn't picked first. Yep, like she wasn't picked with the Jedi. So, so, so that, I thought that I didn't really that didn't I didn't buy it. Our mastermind villain got scheme. got picked last for kickball at recess. <laughs> that's what that's what happened. Yeah, so, but I like, so what, what does it. that give me? I bought it. What does <laughs> yeah. that give oh, me oh. for Marky and Roe and the Nile? Like, why do I care that it started? Because her sister got picked. Like, I guess that's what I'm ultimately getting at. Like, yes, it's a reveal. I just don't feel like it was like that meaningful of a. Re- it felt like one of those 
one of those ties that you don't need where you're like, well, Luke was related to Darth Vader and that worked out really well for the story. Let's just make people related. And it makes the well, galaxy and, feel uh, small. And that is a problem that happens mm-hmm. a lot in Star Wars for me. Mm-hmm. The interesting it, thing it, they bring up there though, is that it does not, that reveal does nothing for the Rose sisters. Um, like it, it means, it means something to the right. mother that, right. you know, her sister was a thing, but it doesn't mean anything to the grand plot nope. in general. Well, then I get it that just goes adds, back to the original yeah. question. Then why? Yeah. Ooh, it, ooh. it just kind of adds yeah. to the meta, the Jedi suck yeah. <laughs> kind, yeah. of, kind of thing that's happening right now. Sorry this we didn't me, kidnap so, both of you. <laughs> I, I mean. No. And really upset your parents into their dismay and they never have children again. Yeah. Well, so here's the crazy counter. I'm going to go completely the opposite point of this because this is what actually made the book make sense for me. Wildly. Because here's where I come from. Um, first of all, having them take Olivia, not Alicia – The fact that this entire cult that became religious doctrine was made because of very human anger at the Jedi and the sister then almost nullifies the entire religious beliefs of entire society and shows kind of the fallacy of cults and the fallacy of certain religions and leaders. And I think that that's a great horrifying kind of point to make is that the Jedi actually listen to the Force, whereas this other place – oh, no, I was mad at my sister, but I still created – of a of society with enough fervor to want to destroy the galaxy. And, like, that's kind of a, a terrifying precedent to send. Um, mm-hmm. A terrifying precedent precedent to set. Sorry about that. Like, Palpatine basically wanted to destroy the Jedi, so he di- then decided, I want to take over the galaxy, me and one apprentice, and to do that, I'm going to kill probably billions of people in a galactic war to take over. Like, whatever you start small, the fact that you can then have enough power to create an entire society of murderers is terrifying. And then simultaneously, I think it talks about the Jedi as being flawed because they ignored this child and stunted her development and growth and feeling of belonging. And Marta, who we saw as super devout in Path of Deceit and even Path of Vengeance, she's so far into it that finding out that this entire thing that the force will be free and her entire livelihood, her entire belief in the fabric of the universe was built upon a woman who after all that time was actually force sensitive and was just trying to get back at her sister that shattered her so much. And I think that's like the last bit of like, you know what? Doesn't matter how it started. This doctrine is in me now. I refuse to believe the truth I'm told because I am only a fanatic. And I'm going to go forward with fanaticism. Yeah. And fanaticism leads to insanity. And I think that's how we eventually get to the Nile. She, uh, so that's she why kinda, it makes sense to me. She, she takes the embodiment of the Creed Bratton quote. She could not have fun as a cult follower. So she decided to make a bunch of money as the cult leader. <laughs> that's, there you go. And, I, and, and whether that you know, comes to fruition in the future or not, we'll find out. Uh, so shout out to Stephanie in the chat again. She put in our Discord... Uh, to make sure that you reread Rising Storm uh, chapters, I believe, 5, 7, and 11, which I did do before this show because that's – those are the chapters where Mark Yanro goes back to this icy planet with the bird guy to find his cousin. <laughs> and there's a ton of quotes in there that talk about Mark Yan, have you come back to the path? Will you open the hand? Will you do all these things? So I'm wondering now, like, is that fanaticism linked? Dramatically, mm. losing that reveal still bugs me, publicity wise. Yeah, but I think that I, makes sense. I did completely forget that she 
could have been force sensitive. I loved that play at the end, yes. the reveal that she actually was because yep. like, mm-hmm. you know, she was getting feeble around the leveler and yep. then she had all these wraps around yeah. herself. And like, there's no that, way. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I that was that was great. Yeah. And her little mind manipulation thing, like that was a neat yeah. kind of Oh, large yeah. scale when she had sunshine those, dobs man when she had yeah. those wraps on her hands for a heartbeat i thought she was gonna end up being that like wrapped character that was with yoda or something later Ugh. later in the timeline Wait, which but no. is all right let's hit it let's hit that because i think after phase one we were like here's this mystery character we're gonna go back to the past gentlemen i have one question for you to start and then we're just gonna branch was phase two worth it? Sorry, it's two prong. Was phase two worth it? And two, if not, was there a way to tell the story in a different way that it would have been? I wonder if this would have been better as <laughs> as a phase one kind of thing, or if if it would have been better if these were closer together, not being a hundred years. years. Wise. Yeah, years mm-hmm. wise. Yeah. So. Um, if because right now Mar- no. if Marta yeah if Marta Rowe was Markeon Rose, <sighs> mom, mother, yeah, like yeah because right now she's grandma. her great we've, yeah we've got to be the great three. grandma right at least maybe at least, or it could be yeah. like a great aunt or something yeah I don't know so yeah uh, so yeah I'll start it off no um, okay no um, like I I don't even see where the Arano and you can get there. Hiram. It's there. Nope. The other you yes! Okay, here's an I believe here's another you. here's another problem that I had. <laughs> so it was Iram and Arano. Yep. We agree on that, right? Yes. Well, the narrator for Path of Vengeance called it Arono. Oh. And I was upset to no end when I kept hearing I just wanted to stop and be like, It's it's Arano, because I've heard it like that for the past like six, seven months. Can we please get this oh, right? Marcion Marcion. All right. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, um, listen. If we can go on YouTube to find an author say their own name before we interview them, you can go to YouTube and hear how the things are pronounced. Yeah, that's a pretty stupid thing to say. All right. Anyways, uh, um, uh, but that whole story with um, with Iron Arano and the battling between the families, um, I hope that comes back around to give us some kind of other than like is that's like where the that's where Starlight Beacon crashed into one of the planets, right? Yep. In the water world. The, Iron, so. yeah. <laughs> the water world. That better worlds. not be the that better not be the only thing that's that ties in yeah. uh phase two to phase one. Yeah. yeah. But um I mean it, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. To read. To not get the payoff kind of that I was looking for. And it I'll just say that I mean the payoff I was looking for was how did the Nile get to be the Nile? Yeah. That's kind of where I was. And who's with Yoda? And who's with Yoda? Yeah, that's that was my biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. I I will echo Wes, and I will say no, but I'm going to give it the little asterisk caveat and refuse to be painted into the corner because you can't really answer this question until you get the full story, right? Until we get phase three and we see what breadcrumbs were they leaving. Right now, some stuff might feel empty that later is going to have some substance. But as of right this second. No, it was not worth it. And I would go so far as to say when I put this book down, I was greatly disappointed. Like to the point that I think I messaged you, Eric, and I and we never yeah. get this negative on this show. And I apologize and I'll be out of my <laughs> funk tomorrow unless Miami loses later tonight. Um, I 
felt like I had wasted my time. I really, really did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not think that the time and the effort to read all of these books lived up to my expectation. And maybe this is the exact problem that happened with the prequels. And I just sound like some old person that hated the movie and, you know, in the late nineties. Um, but it just oh, didn't wow. feel mm. worth it. All right. Yeah. I, I, I want to hit that prequel thing, but Tim, I want to hear from you. Cause I, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say no as a, as a high Republic initiative thing, but, I yeah. think I enjoyed the collective of the phase on its own. If you stripped the High Republic, you know, the little ties to it, I think this would have been a fine Star Wars series um, yeah. or whatever. Yes. But yes. but as a yes. as a as a the the prince that was promised <laughs> as a, as this is going to give you the answers we're looking for, I don't think it was that. I agree with that. Yep. Um, I think the the big issue that i see is that phase two was pitched to be the prequel trilogy like like star wars right it was four five six and one two three they did that three novels and then they go back i think the problem was return of the jedi for all intents and purposes did not end on a cliffhanger the story's done mm-hmm. you could be they defeated the empire they defeated vader and they won the day this is like doing a new hope and empire and then putting the prequel trilogy before you do jedi and I think that's was the problem is Isn't that Isn't that you like were, machete order that you, some people do watch the movies? Exactly. But those are they're all out. Those now, people are right? sick. No, I'm just kidding. And it's or <laughs> even better, it's also like doing Game of Thrones and then stopping after season five, showing House of the Dragon when you don't have six and seven and having to wait more years. Like your mm-hmm. story isn't finished, so you had to prove in this phase that there is material that is worth me waiting to go to my stuff I want to get to. So for me, unfortunately, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to round us out with 4 for 4. I don't think it was worth it. I also, we haven't done this yet, obviously, because it's not out. I would be shocked if our Utini official reading order doesn't suggest you going from phase one to phase three, hmm. depending on what happens. Um, that being said, I agree with you completely, Tim. I now, not knowing phase three, wish that we would have had phase one as done. I wish they would have gone directly to phase three, whatever it is, and done that full story. And then we get like a higher public adult duology, Convergence Cataclysm. Awesome. We get a higher public young adult duology, Path of Deceit, Path of Vengeance. Ooh, that's fun. Like do them afterwards like they are doing House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones right now to be like, hey, hey. you got this narrative, but don't you want to live in this yeah. world again? You know, I really do. And maybe you'll get some context for the story you've already finished. And I think that's the issue is that you you told us that the story wasn't finished. And the only reason, the only way you could progress was if we had this part of the tale. And at this point now, these books in phase two, for me, haven't given me enough of that. I will say this, though, to kind of bring us slightly back up. At the end of Path of Vengeance, I did have the first inkling of I can start to see what phase three might be in response to this. Mm-hmm. With the closed fist stuff, with now the mother being force sensitive, with a lot of the leveler lore, the eggs. Like, we saw a lot of that kind of stuff. I feel mm-hmm. like when that stuff happens in phase three, I will now be more informed, which will be cool. But I would be, I'm going to be a bit surprised if I we couldn't have just gone from phase one to phase three. So, to, to take it back to the movie thing and something that mm-hmm. Tim said that I think is important, because... 
there was a second half to the question you asked at the beginning, Eric, which was what could they have done differently or how could yeah. they have done this better? And mm-hmm. Tim's answer I agree with, which is they could have made it closer in time. And the reason yeah. for that is we spent so like at the end of the day, Star Wars events are just craziness. It's just like super evil <laughs> yeah. person did this, blew up a planet like holy crap. But at the end of the day, it's a character driven story. And it's mm-hmm. a, a lot of the major ideas behind it that the character go, characters go through are very just straightforward, very simple ideas when you boil them down. And the reason why I think that the prequels work for me, other than, you know, the fact that I was the perfect age to watch them and stuff is that super important characters from the original stories are still in it like imagine if phase two was a young load and great storm almost kind of figuring things out and then ultimately he Mm -hmm. can't and dies at the hands of the leveler in in phase one like that to me has so much more weight behind it and i feel like i would have been hooked from page one to read about how did he become that jedi that i saw that i was so so horrified when we saw him die and how will his protege carry things forward and hopefully fix this whole mess to me that's so much more interesting than going back to people who will never have a chance of weighing in on the overall kind of finality of of the high republic yeah yeah i would i would have loved that and and i think that if you're gonna do that you know and and not say that can't happen now but i think there is an element of this was supposed to be the big swing and I also think that is an unfair pressure to put on mm-hmm. books, right? Like I said, this was the most meta read I've ever had. If we had had books that had had like Young Load and Great Storm or stuff like that, it would have been a little clearer because we already can make those connections. But for these, I think we were all working so hard in the back of our minds with every new character of wondering, okay, are they related to someone? Does this have to do someone? And that's not a fun mm-hmm. way to read. It's not a fun way to exist. It's fun to do after. It's why these conversations are enjoyable. It's why we like talking about it. Because if you can be like, oh, man, you know what I realized? Maybe this is this. Maybe this is that. But because it all kind of felt like we were expecting something more, we really had to try very, very hard to force that. Whereas, like, in the Blade comic, which I thought was wildly successful, mm-hmm. we knew this is Porter Angle. I know what happens to Porter Angle. I know who he becomes. So I'm excited to see what part of his past makes him become that. And that's a very successful prequel, you know, which is hard, especially when you're going through all these, you know, different um, comics and different uh, middle grade, young adult, audio drama, trying to connect everything. That's very difficult. But at the same time, I, I think it can be better done by making those strings much easier, like you said, Charles. I mean, just Absolutely. make it make it a character-driven prequel instead of a plot I, I guess driven prequel if you will because there has to be i don't know if the mystery we're trying to unfold is some of these plot points there has to be a framework of familiarity in there i feel like to build yeah. upon mm-hmm. and that was not there because they went so far back in time yeah. is there is it remind me again is this it's final. Um, is it three phases, or do we even know? Do we think? I think it's so. Three, they right? say only f- <laughs> they, three phases. They keep teasing that it will not be the end. Um, I can't remember the exact wording, but essentially, we're going to get phase three and then more to come. Um, yeah. Okay. And then and phase one of the things. Are, well, so one that's, of the things around that yeah. that I think will be interesting is we're about to get that anthology book that's about to come out. We're going to get mm-hmm. some comics that are supposed to be set between. Phases one and three, mm-hmm. like I have a feeling that 
there's a chance that those are just going to kind of maybe recap some of the things we just learned from phase two, but from Mm -hmm. the present day, you know, perspective, Mm -hmm. like, I think we're going to have a Yoda conversation about, Oh yeah, this stuff happened back in, you know, hundred years ago. Now here we can be prepared. Like I could see some, some little touches on things like that happening. And so I would have, I, I think all of this could have, I, in the conversation of would phase two be required reading at all? You know, would we jump from phase one to three? I think we're going to say phase one anthology stuff, phase three, and yeah. then go back to phase two kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. This meeting could have yeah. been an email? Yes, essentially. <laughs> yes. That's, that's very much um, how yeah. I feel. <laughs> There's just so much of a time gap between yeah. phase two and phase one. Yeah. They, have an, they have the ability to add a couple books in there or anthologies or yeah. something to build upon the fact of where Mark or Marta Row ends and where Marky on Row starts. Yeah. You know, and and so. I think, I think my, my theory as well is that I think phase three ends their Skywalker saga of the high Republic, as it were. I think this is the mm. main line of the Jedi of the high Republic versus the Nile and Marky on Row. We got a little history, but the main event is this and the end of phase three is going to be, boom, the Trials of the Jedi, they go through it, here we are. But we now know the Acolyte is a show that's going to be happening, so we're getting High Republic visual media. I think that with Seglane saying this is only the beginning of the High Republic, it's kind of like saying after Return of the Jedi, well, this is only the beginning of the Rebellion era. Yeah, duh, because now we got more books, we got more shows, Star Wars Outlaws, like we can do stuff around it, and like you say, Wes, that gap is huge, but I don't think we're going to be getting like... And then Phase 4, Charles Soule's doing this, Cody Gray's doing this. I, And maybe this is also his wishful thinking. I hope that it becomes a little more in the um, rotation of Star Wars books. Like, here's a prequel mm-hmm. book. Here's a High Republic era book. Here's a sequel era book. Here's a Dawn of the Jedi book. Like, I hope it becomes less structured and they can just start telling stories in multiple eras. Because I think that's when we've gotten some of our best books. Have you know, like Master and Apprentice? That was just a random prequel book. That was great out of nowhere, yeah. you know. And I, I hope mm-hmm. that we kind of get a little more freedom with that, um, or just numbered the trilogies. If you want to do more than that, like give me three books <laughs> with numbers on the spine, and then do three more with numbers on the spine. Like, I think clarity yeah, is really the issue. Uh, but it's weird though, you know, because like you said, Tim, we're looking ahead at this this anthology that's coming out that's gonna recap a bunch of stuff we're gonna have some stories that take place in the year before phase three the new comic that got announced this week um which is shadow of the shadows of starlight i believe is gonna be a four issue limited series by charles soul that takes place in the year before phase three so ultimately um if you made it this far and haven't read phase two hope you enjoyed um (laughs) but sorry i I, 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 it will be interesting for us to figure out if these materials allow you to just jump into phase three. Cause I think you're right, Tim. I think it sounds like that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice yeah. when you just published a year of, of content and you're like, but if you don't want to read if, it. Okay. If, if this does anything for me, I think it's similar to a comics conversation of, you know, there are four mainline comics, um, but you don't have to read them all. Just read the ones you like, you know, read the stories you like. I think this is the first time I have felt like I can confidently say this with a book kind of series. If Mm -hmm. if you liked phase one and you want to know more about, 
um, specifically what's going on with the path, then just read the YA novels. Um, if you want to know yeah. more about what's happening with the galaxy at large and how the Republic's feeling about everything, just read the adult novels. You don't have to read everything. But I only get that from having consumed it all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's fine because yeah. there are those of us that, that will do that. And I think we can really kind of maybe lead the way on having some more yeah. of those intentional conversations. It's going to be um, so yeah. hard to explain. It's going to be like one of those yeah. goosebumps choose your ending books where it's like, okay, now flip to page 72 because you ran yeah. down the left hallway instead of the right. Like it's, it's yeah. not going to be straightforward at all. Yeah. Like if someone's like, hey, I want to read a, a Jedi-esque scoundrel romance duology. Like could you just say, here's Convergence and Cataclysm with nothing else in the higher public. And I think some people have. Like there's people, mm-hmm. there's cosplayers that only do phase two stuff on, on Twitter. Like – that just started phase two, so it's got to be possible. And I, I earnestly wonder if once phase three is done, might I recommend, like, read phase one and phase three, and then you know what? Then go back to phase two, because then you get a history lesson. Like, maybe mm-hmm. that'll be cool? I don't know. There's I've never been this unsure about something that seems so meticulously plotted out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would, I would love a, especially having consumed everything, including the middle grades. I feel yes. like I need a, um, like, kind of like a timelines book, but I need like an overhead perspective book on like where everyone is at different stages of all of these dang battles. Yes, <laughs> that that yes. would be interesting. Um, yes, see our, some kind our of timeline folks have of a, <laughs> yeah, are having a wild time. Phase one is very easy to figure out. Um, yep. A little behind the scenes for y'all. Our timeline team and some other folks have been talking extensively about the High Republic reading order because it's I think it's the most visited page on our site, which thank you, utini.com. Head over there. Phase two with every comic issue is such a minefield right now, and we're figuring it out <laughs> because there are comics that happen in between each other, and the Battle of Jeddah kind of happens throughout a bunch. Everywhere. And then <laughs> Vengeance starts back and stuff. All to say, all to say, I think this is a good book. I think this is a well, all these things aside, I think this book for a person that pulled up a a, a typesetter and typed out a novel on paper about characters going through things was written super well. And if you can somehow let go of everything we just talked about for an hour, (laughs) I think it's a pretty good time. I, I guess the last thing I want to ask you guys before we kind of wrap up, has phase two changed your thoughts on how you want to consume phase three? Or, and I'll, I'm going to lead you here a little bit, like me, are you pretty convinced that phase three is going to be way more like phase one? I have a horrible feeling of FOMO. Um mm. Really, really, what it has to do with a lot of things. But if I miss out on a book that I didn't read, and everybody is chatting about it in our Slack, or um, I see it something on Twitter where I missed a whole like sequence of a main plot point or main storyline, and I go into another book and I just start in fresh, then yeah, I will be upset. I'll totally be mad. Yep. So, um, and this isn't. I think this is just an anomaly where this book kind of rehashed a lot of stuff to mm-hmm. where it got us to where we were at. Um, but I don't think phase three is going to be the same way. And um, because just because of the kind of the events that we saw from phase one yep. and the characters that we got, um, we've already 
going to introduce these characters. I think now that we're just going to build on some of them that aren't with us anymore. Um, but um, I think that, yeah, I think I'm going to read. I'm going to continue with the reading. I'm not going to miss out on anything. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to read. Um, we have shows to do, guys. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's also Absolutely. like the – it's kind of the entire idea that drives a lot of fandom, right, is that law of escalating commitment. The more time and energy and money that yep. you put mm-hmm. towards a thing, the more you're going to continue to do that thing because you're scared to admit that what you did before wasn't worth it. And so – That's why people stay in Scientology. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> there you go. It's a real thing. You put in so much money and time, is you can't that, admit it's a cult until you're already in. Is that, it's like Star Wars. Your levels were high. Is that what came after the path of the closed fist? Were they Scientologists before – Scientology. No, okay. Um, no, but I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. I mean, I'm going to keep reading these books. Don't get me wrong for a lot of different reasons, but that really is a part of it. I mean, when you've put in this many pages of material, Mm -hmm. um, to learn this story and then supposedly kind of the end is, is coming up, you're going to read it. How can you walk away at that point? But at the same time, I do think phase three is going to be a lot better. And I think it's going to be a lot better because I have, I have a pretty, you know, invested interest in the characters that we're going to go back yep. and pick up. Like, I cannot wait to see Belzettifar on the page again. You oh know what I mean? God. And that is what yeah. was missing from this entire phase for me. So, yeah. yes, I'm going to read it. Great. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I think this will be a return to phase one kind of style in general, even if it's just because of the structure that we're getting three adult novels, three middle grade novels, three young adult novels. Yeah. And the, we'll get the full cast of, you know, the original luminous authors in the mix. I know, you know, George Mann and Alyssa Wong and, you know, they'll all be writing some stuff in in their own lanes, but I think it'll, I have a feeling that phase two is just kind of a blip. It's just one of those things that I'm going to, I'm probably going to look back and pretend it probably didn't happen (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. for the time being. And that phase three will be returned to form for what we know and what we're used to. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. That's okay, Tim. And and that's, and I think that's exactly where I am. Like I, I feel like mostly for the reasons you said, Charles, like these characters that are coming back in phase three are who I loved in phase one. And I fell in love with immediately. And it's their story continuing. Now I have some context. I didn't love the context as much, and that's okay. If I had to do it again, I probably wouldn't do it. I, I will be more interested to see what the YA and middle grades are like. Because, again, we, we read everything just kind of how we are. Obviously, we have shows to do, and, and we have reviews to put up. I hope that they are a little more tied in, and I hope that it makes a little more sense. Um, because Phase 1... I, I think the adult trilogy in phase one is still my favorite Star Wars trilogy. I'll say that easily as far as books go. Like, I think it's just banger, banger, banger. The YA is hit and miss a little bit for me there even then. So I hope that the quality of them all pick up. But I don't see myself necessarily having the reluctance I did with phase two and the meta reading. I hope I can just shut it off and just read. So I guess maybe that'll be the, the test for my broken brain. It's like, can I not think about the grand context anymore because we're finally in phase three? Like, I'm not, I don't have to think about how this affects Marky and Roe because I see Marky and Roe on the page. And I, I hope that'll, that'll really help. Um, so for everyone in the chat and everyone listening, uh, I'm eager to hear what y'all think about this. Obviously, this is a very different vibe for us than usual. We all agree this is a great written book. But Phase 2 was such a mixed bag that we're very excited to see what Phase 3 can do with it. If you loved, loved, loved Phase 2, 
That's amazing. I'm glad. Leave a comment on why you did and what you love more. Uh, or love most, rather. Um, I do want to leave you with one more thing. Because we're not doing our traditional Easter eggs as we used to. But I did find one. Because it's about my favorite thing. On page 255. There was a quote that said, Blankety blank. But his head is ringing like a Phyrexian chime from Phyrex. Which is from Andor. Best thing Phase 2 ever did was remind me of Andor. <laughs> so... With all that being said, Phase 3 is right around the corner. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to handle the anthology book. Anthologies are a little odd. We might have a show t- catching people up. I'm not sure if all of us are going to read it. Um, but stay tuned for that later this summer. Again, next week we're talking games, though. Tim, thank you for jumping on and chat about this. Fellas, appreciate your time as well. Everyone in the chat and, a- and, and around the world, give Charles the best vibes he needs for the next about three hours. Uh, for Heat and Seven, here we go. And on that note, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much. Keep an eye out for everything coming your way this month. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Earl Q, Carl Sander, Zach W., and Michael Fry on our Jedi High Council, and James T., Ashley Ingalls, Colton Fife, and Chris Carrizo on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Charles is at the ankle. Wes is at Boss West. Timothy is, is at TC Guthrie 2. And we're at Living Force Pod. A special thank you to Matt Devonport, our amazing editor. Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire. And Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Charles, Wes, and Tim for potting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. And as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy, there is passion. There is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.